Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Great to be with you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time. I, I touched on the cricket becoming an Olympic sport on the program last night, and I thought we could maybe do a bit more on it today after, of course, you penned an article in The Australian this morning, which I uh, certainly enjoyed reading. There's never been cricket at the Olympics since 1900 in Paris, but it looks like returning possibly in Los Angeles. Of course, a T20 format. Your thoughts? Yeah, Peter, we'll find out uh, on Friday, potentially, uh, officially, there's a meeting going on between the IOC delegates, but all signs are pointing towards cricket being admitted for uh, LA in 2028. And look, it's a huge thing for cricket. Um, It gives them that Olympic exposure, particularly in Olympic games played in the United States, I think is um, particularly significant for cricket because... It's a huge market that um, that cricket is trying to, to crack, and I think the Olympics will be its best vehicle to really make a bit of an impression in the U.S. Um, and the other significant thing, of course, is that Brisbane follows the next cycle, 2032, and you know you would think uh, cricket would all be locked, all but be locked in for that as well. So that's a big thing because I think cricket in a, a, an Olympics in Australia would really get momentum and uh, you know be a huge asset for the games. For the Olympics, it's a big thing too because it unlocks that huge subcontinental TV audience uh, and population that perhaps the Olympics hasn't quite conquered. Um, uh, India, for example, has only won two individual gold medals in the history of the Olympics. And there's a feeling, I think, amongst the IOC that you know the, the billions of people that live in that part of the world perhaps haven't been as engaged in the Olympics as they might be. And uh, and cricket, you know, what better way to do it than with cricket? Yeah, very much so. I was also interested in the article because we had the experience because Marcus Stoinis, Jason Berendorf, Steve Smith, uh, Mitch Marsh and others went to the United States to take part in the inaugural T20 competition over there. It appears, and what you're just saying, that we're sort of taking for granted the interest of cricket in the big America mm-hmm. Well, that's certainly been the case, Peter, for um, you know a couple of decades now. But there is a big push now to finally get uh, cricket a, a bit of a footprint in America. I mean, it's obviously a very long-term goal, and you know it's never going to overtake baseball or um, basketball or American football. But you look at um, what football, and when I say football, I mean soccer, has done in the United States since it had its World Cup in America in 1994, um, you know, it's got a very respectable presence uh, in America. Um, and, you know, it might not be the biggest sport, but it is a major sport. And uh, there's, you know, tens of millions of um, expats from subcontinental countries that reside in the USA, um, as well as obviously, you know, Australians and, and, and British um, people as well. But there's really an opportunity there because there's there's data that shows how popular cricket is with people that live in the United States. You know, the, the television audiences for World Cups, Cricket World Cups, the um, the third most amount of viewers are coming from the United States. So 
there's a huge opportunity there, and the Olympics is a great way to kickstart that movement. Interesting. Uh, the other news that I'd like to talk to you about is Australia's uh, provisional World Cup squad was announced today. Five West Australians in the squad of 15. And all of a sudden, we've got a plethora of all-rounders at uh, our disposal, mm-hmm. haven't we? Well, particularly when there's another West Australian all-rounder, Aaron Hardy, that couldn't quite make the squad. So it's incredible, really. Firstly, how many um, decent all-rounders Australia's got to choose from and the fact that they all seem to be from Western Australia. So, Mm -hmm. um, look, there was no surprises in the squad today. Um, You know, they did add a couple of extra players a couple of weeks ago as, as additional possibilities, which included Aaron Hardy. Tanvir Sanger from New South Wales and um, Marnus Lubbershane was also there as well. But look, in terms of the final 15, it's probably as everyone would have expected. Um, very strong side, covering all bases. The difficult difficult thing will be picking an 11 because, um, you know, it's um, the conditions over in India. Um, plus, you know, a lot of those players really do deserve their place in the side. So it's going to be a big job for the selectors over there. Uh, to get the right balance and also to pick the right uh, attack for the conditions you know, as each match goes by. It's interesting because Marcus Stoinis and Mitchell Marsh have been the stalwarts in Australia's white ball side for a number of years. Now we've got Cameron Green and, as you mentioned, one out, one back is Aaron Hardy trying to stamp his uh, presence now in uh, the white ball game. How many all-rounders is too many and how many do you think you can play in a limited overs game? It's a good question. It's a good question. Look, I mean, there has been a school of thought from Australia that perhaps they might follow the model that England has taken and play as many all-rounders as possible, uh, which means you can sort of bat right down to number nine, number 10. Um, But, you know, you really need the right players to do that. And, uh, you know, you look at the Australian side and, you know, it's still hard to go past um, the quality of, of the, uh, of the you know, specialist fast bowlers in Stark and Hazelwood and Cummins. So um, to play the all-rounders, you know, probably one of them would have to drop out of the side. I, when I look at the squad, my cut feeling is it might be difficult to fit both Cameron Green and Marcus Stoinis into the same lineup. Um, it's, it's not to say it's impossible, but when I'm just looking at the other spaces that would need to be filled... Um, you know, it might be difficult to get both of them in. I think Marcus Stoinis would have the edge at the moment. Um, and, you know, he's played well so far over in South Africa. Um, Cameron Green, I think he's he's shown in white ball cricket that maybe he's best suited further up the order, at the top of the order. And unfortunately for him, that's where Australia's really well suited with, um, you know, that they've got a decision to make about um, the openers as it is. But, you know, David Warner, um, Travis Head, Mitchell Marshall at the top of the order there. So, look, if I was trying to look into the crystal ball, I think maybe you know Cameron Green might um, have the toughest job at the moment, forcing his way into the eleven. Talking to Ben Horn from News Corp, and of course wrote a very interesting article uh, in the Australian today. Ben, just a couple of final ones before we let you go, because I know you're a busy man. Firstly, three T20s, Mitch Marsh, the skipper, comprehensive victories in all three of those T20 mm-hmm. matches there in the Republic. And uh, the raps for Mitch Marsh as a leader just keeps on coming. I was reading today that Sean Abbott has come out and saying what a good leader he was in that series. Yeah, it was a great start for Mitchell. And, um, you know, look, it's as long as he stays fit, uh, I, I really don't see any other option for captaining Australia at the World Cup next year, T20 World Cup, that is, than Mitchell Marsh. Um, so it's been a great start for him and a great sign that 
you know, he really produced with the bat in two of those three games, you know, that, um, you know, basically he continued on from where he left off without the captaincy and, you know, that having the burden of, uh, of sorry, having the responsibility of leadership was a burden for him. So, um, yeah, great start for him. Good signs for Australia because that wasn't necessarily their first choice team. Uh, there's quite a number of guys uh, who weren't over there that you would expect would be in a World Cup squad for Australia. So, yeah, really strong signs about the depth for Australia there in T20 cricket. Um, but the other side of it that is a little worrying is just the the quality of South Africa's team and, and where they're at as a cricketing country at the moment. Their World Cup squad looks better, um, but you know, we are sort of, I think, coming into a period now where that dominance that we've seen from South Africa as a, as a top cricket nation, you know, it's really going to be tested over the next few years, and, and that's a big concern for the international game. And finally, we had the BBL drafts across the weekend. I spoke to the wild thing, uh, Lance Morris, on my program last night. The draft has certainly added something to the BBL. Uh, your thoughts on the BBL, and of course, the WBBL, and the quality of player that has been picked up in the draft? Yeah, look, Peter, um, yeah, look, I think the draft went well. There's some big names there that have come out. I don't know whether it quite, um, you know, it carries the same weight as an AFL draft, for example. I just don't think that people are as engaged um, with the process. I think one thing that the league really could consider is making it a a competition-wide draft where Australian players are going into the mix as well. I know that we want to retain... The, some local presence in the teams and it's important to have, you know, WA players playing for Perth, for example, and, you know, uh, South Australians playing for Adelaide. But I think if there's some way of, of broadening the draft to include Australian players, even if it's just the big international stars and have them spread around a bit, I just think that would uh, probably take the draft to the, to the next level and, and increase interest. But, um, yeah, some handy uh, international pickups. And, um, you know, it was a good season last year at the Big Bash, really good season. So hopefully more of the same coming up. Yeah, I think it's bounced back, no question. Let's hope it's going to be a big summer this summer as well. Ben, thanks for making some time available. Much appreciated. And uh, we look forward to further reads from Ben Horn. Thanks a lot, Peter. All the best. Good on you, Ben. Uh, ben Horn joining us uh, spoke very well and writes very well too. Uh, like having an Aussie interview of the week. Uh, thanks to our friends at uh, Look for the Logo. Be sure it's Aussie when you're out there shopping in uh, retail. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. And there's a good Aussie cricket writer there. Writes for the Australian newspaper and also News Corp talking about Ben Horn. And we're talking about cricket.